Thank you so much, Micah, for coming with us this morning. Um, I love uh, worshiping with you. Uh, for those of you wondering, the kids who are dismissed, we will bring them back in when we do the baptism. And so um, have no fear. They will get to experience it with us. Um, this summer, we have decided as a church to uh, partake on a summer-long prayer initiative. And this week, um, assuming I'm getting my calendar right, it's halftime. And so what that means is that we're about halfway done with this prayer initiative. And so the reason why you have halftime in sports is so that you can uh, rejuvenate yourself. Um, if maybe you've fallen off the bandwagon a little bit to get back on, maybe you've been reading A Praying Life with us, the book that's available back there if you'd like one. A lot of us in the church are going through it together. Maybe you were reading it and it was going well and you haven't touched it in a couple of weeks. Um, maybe you saw some progress in your prayer life and it's kind of devolved back to where it was before. Uh, I want to encourage you in this second half, in halftime, uh, to finish strong because uh, in God's power, I know that we can. And um, personally, this has been great for me. My personal walk with the Lord has really, uh, honestly, just grown a lot during this time. And my prayers have become a lot more honest, I'll, I'll put it that way, uh, which has been very refreshing. Um, and in line with our prayer initiative, I'd like to invite you this Wednesday, we're having a prayer gathering. Um, and to be honest with you, what we're doing this coming Wednesday at 6.30 over here in the West Wing building, um, man, it's, it's really the heart of this prayer initiative that we're doing. It's the church coming together and just praying. There's not a huge service plan. There's not a sermon. It's just an open mic where you can read prayer or you can pray or you can read scripture, do whatever you would like to bless the people. Um, it's really laid back. We take communion together. Uh, we also partake in some singing of songs. And so it's just a really special time. And so I want to invite you to do that with us. And so um, and I just want to say I love you guys this morning and I'm glad to be here. And uh, this morning we're talking about patience. And um, I learned a lot about patience this week because I have been sick this entire week. And it was VBS week and I was sick. And it was a tough time. But uh, because of that, I got to spend time with two of my really good friends I hadn't seen in a while. I have a picture up here of two of my really good friends. This is my friend Dayquil, my friend Nyquil. And I hadn't seen them in a while, but I got to spend some time with them this morning, I mean this week. Um, on Tuesday, I mean, I got the worst sore throat you could imagine. You know, like when your throat is on fire, I had that. And then uh, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday were like super like drainage, feeling like nauseous, not doing well. And then yesterday, I thought I was getting better, and then this, this weird bug just came over me. And I had last night um, probably like the second worst headache I've ever had in my entire life. And so I've learned a thing or two about when it appears as if evil is winning over you in your body physically. And I found kind of like what Paul talks about in Scripture, like how when you're trying to pray and connect with God and you don't feel well and you're sick, I mean, it's a, it's a messy experience. But by God's grace, I think that because of my sickness and how I don't fall that well right now, I think that just makes me depend on the Holy Spirit even more because I don't have the eloquence this morning to charm you. All I can do is say, this is what God's word says, and let's apply it together. If you turn with me to Psalm 37, that's where we're going to be today, Psalm 37. And um, this is King David uh, writing a poem that is essentially addressed from David to other people. Um, David, I think, is doing some prayer coaching for us this morning. 
uh, talking to us about praying when it appears as if evil is prospering in our lives. Have you ever seen evil appear to have victory? Has anybody ever wronged you? And to this day, there has been no retribution. Somebody has wronged you, and to this day, there has not been reconciliation. Have you seen a problem in the world, whether it be sex trafficking, whether it be wars, whether it be uh, conflicts amongst the church? Have you seen evil in this world that has not yet been defeated? And David asks a simple question this morning, a question that I promise you you've asked many times in your life. He's asked this, how do we respond when evil appears to prosper? Many people say that the biggest challenge to Christianity, the singular biggest challenge and question that we have to answer is why is there evil in the world? The number one thing of people who do not walk with Jesus, the the most common thing they will bring up is why is there evil in this world? And David's answer in Psalm 37, verses 1 through 7, is that when we see this, we are to wait patiently for God's justice. Wait patiently for the justice of God to come. But maybe you're like me, and maybe that sounds too obvious, too simple, and you say, John, that sounds great, but how in the world do we wait patiently for God's justice? It's easy to say that, and that's his answer. But what I believe David gives us this morning, I believe the answer for how do we wait patiently in the midst of evil in this world, I believe that what David says is patience requires perspective. Patience requires perspective. And I pray that as your pastor, I can give that to you this morning, perspective. Stand with me as we read God's word together. Psalm 37, it'll be on the screen if you don't have a Bible with you this morning. Verses one through seven says this. Fret not yourself, Because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. May God bless this word. You may be seated at this time. There was a, uh, an interesting story that I saw 
a couple weeks back, and it was a story about an airport actually here in the city of Houston that was uh, experiencing a problem with complaints. And the problem that they kept getting from the people that were flying with their company was that the flyers of their business were saying, it takes too long to get your baggage after you get off of the plane. That was the constant complaint. It takes too long. And the complaints became so many that they were afraid that potentially this could harm their business. And so in order to address the problem, this Houston airport decided to add a whole bunch of staff to the baggage part of their business. And so they added more people, they added better equipment, and they got the wait time from when you got off the plane to receiving your baggage down to eight minutes, which was by far industry standard. That would have been considered good timing. And so they did that. They thought that it would fix the problem. However, it didn't. The same amount of complaints kept coming in. It's a true story. And so they were perplexed and they, they didn't really know what to do. They weren't sure how they were going to fix this problem because they had to address it, okay? How customers like your business impacts your business. And so they decided to get a little creative and they decided to use perspective to fix the problem as opposed to actually addressing the problem. And so what they decided to do is they moved the gates from when you got off the plane to this side of the airport for all of the flights And the baggage claim for all of the baggage that everybody would get for all their bags, they moved it to an outer place where you could pick up your bags. And so they essentially, because before, to get off of the plane to your baggage was a one-minute walk. So what they did essentially was they increased the walk time from getting off your plane to the baggage to seven minutes. So the average person, when they walked off the plane, would walk seven minutes across the airport. They would have to wait one minute for their bags. And the complaints completely vanished. And you know this is a true story. Waiting is hard. We would rather work harder, walk longer, do more stuff than have to wait. And I mentioned last week when we were going through Psalm 23 that one of the coolest things about this summer-long prayer initiative that we've been doing is that it has forced us to awkwardly slow down. We live in the most instant access to whatever you want generation in the history of the world, and we live in the country that gets everything essentially the fastest. We absolutely hate waiting, especially for justice. But patience is always a matter of perspective. Your perspective is the way in which you choose to look at something, whether negative or positive. Your your perspective is the angle in which you look at something. Your perspective is when you look at something, what do you choose to focus on in that thing? Do you focus on what God is doing in your waiting, or do you focus on how you feel in your waiting You see, patience is perspective because patience is good when you're running late, amen? I struggle with this. I struggle with being tardy. I've always had that problem. We've all got our downfalls. That's always been one for me. I have tried to discipline myself out of that. By God's grace, I've gotten better because I've had to and I have a real job now. So I have to be on time and be punctual and stuff. But patience is bad when you want something. Patience is bad when there is evil in the world. 
And in Psalm 37, David compels us to keep living in holiness in the midst of a sinful world because God has not changed. God will still bring justice to this world. God is still good. He is still holy. He is still loving. He is still everything. He's going to win in the end. Christ is going to return. This world will look like heaven. We just have to wait, unfortunately. God will not tolerate evil. I don't know why, but I've always had a weird fascination with World War II ever since I was young. And man, when you, when you look at like Germany and the things that were going on, I don't get how people literally live their lives believing that Hitler will not face judgment for what he did. To believe that God will not bring justice to this world in the end is to believe that all of your problems, all of your issues will forever be unresolved. But in Psalm 37, verses 1 through 2, David says this, Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of evildoers, for they will soon fade like grass and wither like the green herb. Okay, David does not deny that sometimes it appears as if evil wins. He doesn't deny that because we would not fret if it had never appeared as if evil was winning in this world. If the people that sinned against you said something bad about you, if, if it did not appear at times as if those things won and there will be no justice, we would not be tempted to fret. But David was tempted to fret when people wronged him. And we are tempted to fret when we see evil in the world that is not dealt with. In verse 7, David says, fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way. And then in verse 8, he says, fret not yourself because it only tends to anger. Man, he is really emphasizing this don't fret over evil thing. Most of you are probably aware that, interestingly enough, probably the biggest news story this week was what? Guess what the biggest news story this week was? Shout it out. LeBron James, yes. It was those two things. That was one and two. LeBron James deciding to play for a certain basketball team was the most covered story by far of any story this week. I mean, we got stuff going on in Israel. We got all these things happening. We have evil things happening. And where some guy chooses to play basketball, and I'm a huge basketball fan, was the biggest story in the world, not just in America. And it's interesting because um, I'll give you a quick synopsis just so this will make sense. Um, LeBron James was the biggest, most heralded high school athlete of all time. He was going to be the greatest basketball player ever. And when he came out of uh, high school, he was drafted by the Cleveland Cavaliers, which was his hometown team, played with them. It was great. He became a superstar. But after his rookie contract expired, he had the opportunity to go to a different team if he wanted to. And he was afraid that he wasn't going to ever be able to win a championship in Cleveland. So he decided to go to the Miami Heat. It was also a little nicer down in Miami as opposed to Cleveland, from what I've heard. Never been to either of them, but that's what I've heard. And so what happens is he goes to Miami, and whenever he leaves... The owner of the Cleveland Cavaliers, feeling betrayed and wronged by LeBron James, 
wrote such a nasty and infamous letter about him that it has become known as the letter. And maybe you've heard of the letter. And in this letter, he bashed LeBron. He said all these horrible things about him. He was so upset. He was so mad that LeBron had done this to him. He left his team. He left his hometown that he was supposed to bring a championship to. And he went off to another team, went to four straight NBA championships, won two titles. And Cleveland was the worst team in the NBA for four years because LeBron left. And this guy, I mean, a grown, a grown successful businessman, okay? A grown successful smart man becomes so childish that he writes this letter and he publishes it on the internet for everybody to read every mean thing that he thought about LeBron James. It was so nasty that they said the one thing that potentially could have kept him from going back to Cleveland, which he did, was this letter. And they didn't even make sure they took it down off the team's website until a couple weeks ago. When they thought, oh, we might have a chance to get him now. We've got to take that, that, that mean letter down. Fretting makes you do evil things. You see, the owner of the Cleveland Cavaliers was fretting that his team was going to be horrible because LeBron left him. And so he was fretting. He was worried. And so what did it do? It tended him to do evil And do you think that if this guy knew that eventually LeBron James would come back to his team, do you think he would have ever wrote that letter? No. You see, he didn't have the benefit of perspective. Church, you and I this morning, we have the benefit of perspective in this world when it comes to evil. Nobody should be better better at dealing with evil and being patient with it than we as Christians because we know what happens in the end. God's word is revelation to us that in the end, God will win, Christ will return, it will be okay. For those of us who are in Christ Jesus, we will be with him for eternity. We have this promise. And this morning, you can find the patience to endure this world through a perspective that God has given us. But here's the big question. Why does God allow evil to continue? Why doesn't God just deal with it? I've asked this question so many times. And the reason why God is patient, the reason why God does not deal with it by just snapping his fingers instantly The answer to this is found in 2 Peter 3.9. I'm just going to put it on the screen for you. I want you to read this really quick and think about it. Then I want to talk about it. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness perspective. But is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. This was written to a church that was being marginalized in their day. And Peter was answering to them the question, why hasn't Christ returned yet? 
I mean, if, if Christ can come back when he wants to, if he knows what he's doing, if when he comes back everything is finished, how come we're enduring all this pain? Because this was a church that was being persecuted. Things were not going well. They're like, why doesn't Christ just fix this? We know that he can. And he writes them this. He says, hey, look, the Lord is patient with us. And allow me to give you some perspective this morning. Why is God patient with evil in this world? How about I ask you this question? Why was God patient with you? Why was God patient with you when you were evil, when you were far away, when scripture says that you were dead in your sins? Why was God patient with you? Why didn't he just come back right then and finish it right then and there? You were separated, you were far off, you were, you were destined to live in your sin forever because you didn't want to do things his way, you wanted to live your life. Why was he patient then? Because God loves you. He wants you to have everything that you were created to have. Man, this is a wonderful Sunday morning because we're baptizing five people today. And I am so excited to watch these baptisms. I was baptized in this exact baptismal like 17 years ago, in this exact one, in this exact church. And looking at how my life has changed since I was baptized right here 17 years ago to where I'm at today, man, I'm excited to watch these five journeys, aren't you? Aren't you excited to see what's going on? And why is this happening? Why are we baptizing people today? Because God is patient. He's patient with us in our sin. You see, patience requires perspective. See, when it's you and when you're far off and when you're running late and when you're not doing well, we want patience. But when other people are wrong, when other people are messing up, when other people are sinning, when the Taliban are doing their thing, when a guy in spring is murdering seven people, all of a sudden we want God because we know we're okay. We want God to come now. And that's okay. But you just need to know this morning why. God is allowing this. You see, God has always been patient. And whenever we begin to feel like God is not doing things the right way, Hebrews 13.8 says that God's always the same. I don't need a scripture to tell you that we're all over the place. So who changed? Who moved? Patience requires perspective. And sometimes it's slow. There's this beautiful image that Christ portrays in Matthew chapter 13. He, he gives this example and he says the kingdom of heaven, he compares the kingdom of heaven to different things so we can understand it. And he compares it to a mustard seed. And back in Jesus' day, the mustard seed was the smallest plant or the smallest seed that grew into the biggest thing. And so everybody would have read that story as saying, oh man, that means this kingdom is going to start small and then it's going to get really big. And so Christ 2,000 years ago is prophesying this is what's going to happen. He's like, hey, look, I'm God. I've come here. I'm going to change the world through me. You can have life through me. I'm going to show you God's patience. Just me being here is God's patience towards you. And this kingdom that I'm bringing to the world is going to be like this really small little thing that becomes this giant, wonderful thing. 
And they say that when Christ died, he probably had maybe 50 legitimate followers. And today in the world, there's over a billion people that claim to be walking with Jesus. I don't care what you believe this morning. He was right about that. That's called a prophecy that was fulfilled. It was called a miracle that God did. The reality is this. God in his sovereignty has chosen to make this, from our perspective, I believe, a slow process. At least as we count slowness. Because he loves you. Because he wants you. Because he wants to see a bunch of people baptized and being raised to new life. God's patience is a beautiful thing. I told you all, um, and this is really cool. I told you all a few, um, a few weeks ago how my wife was rear-ended going to work one morning and totally messed up her car. And it was a really tough situation because um, it turns out, of course, the guy didn't have insurance. And I was basically informed by my insurance agent that pretty much the way the laws were set up in Texas, and don't use this to do evil what I'm about to tell you, but I'm just going to be honest with you. Um, if you don't have insurance and you hit somebody, like oftentimes it's too much money for them to go after you. So they'll just, like, like we had an uninsured motorist thing on our policy. So they just basically said, we'll just cover it. It's more cost effective for us just to pay for it than it is to go to court, find this guy, do all that stuff. And he goes, so most likely I just want you to know that guy will probably completely get away with running into your wife, messing up y'all's car really bad. And we had to pay the deductible on our insurance claim. So we did nothing wrong. And yet we have to pay. He made a mistake. He's off scot-free. And I told you that I was going to keep you updated on what happened with this. And so allow me to do that this morning. And it plays in really well. I went to go get our car yesterday and pick it up. We've been out of a car for like two and a half weeks. It's been a huge hassle. Um, living the urban life with one car, two people. I know it's a first world problem, but it's, it's a big hassle. And um, we, uh, we picked up the car. And I actually, I, I brought it this morning so you can see it. It's parked out on the front. It looks really good. Uh, because we showed up and the guy was like, we can't really tell um, what, what damage was caused from the wreck um, because this guy obviously was shady, ran off, didn't take any pictures. There's no way to verify it. So he said, basically, we had to fix everything on your car. So every dent that my, he's like, was this a part of it? I said, well, I don't know. I mean, I honestly didn't know. And so he's like, so he fixed, I mean, everything in the car. I mean, the steering was off a little bit. He fixed that. We got a whole new bumper, whole new back door. Gave us a brand new spare tire. Got a whole, like, a nice little cover on it. It says Jeep. Looks really clean on there. And the front, it's a whole new bumper in the front. I don't even know what happened. I don't even think anything happened in the front. A whole new bumper in the front. All new lights throughout the thing. Every dent was made. New paint job. Completely new paint job. He's like, well, it didn't make sense just to paint the back of the car. So I figured we just paint the whole thing. And I think it's a little bit more like striking blue, so it looks really cool. And so, essentially, for $250, which was my deductible, I got, like, almost, it looks like a brand new car from the outside. And if you don't believe me, I was going to do a picture, but I forgot. If you don't believe me, it, it's out there. It's the really good-looking 2004 blue Jeep out there. If you want to test my claim...
it just takes perspective. Your life needs perspective. I know it's painful. I know you feel like your family is struggling. I know you feel like your job is horrible. I know you feel like your walk with God is kind of rough. I know you're kind of depressed. I know you're sad. I know you're needing a word this morning. I know you might have physical pain, like your body is physically hurting. It feels like it's falling apart. I know it doesn't feel good. I know it feels like evil is prospering in your life. But through God's patience, we receive God's blessing. And I want to leave you with one thought this morning. Jesus Christ, who was God, coming and dying on the cross to pay for our sins, was the ultimate display of God's patience. You see, the fulfillment of Psalm 37, the whole fret not, evil will be dealt with. Remember when he said that? Fret not, just, just dwell in the land, befriend faithfulness, do all those things. Remember, it's like hang in there, it's going to be okay. The ultimate example of this was Jesus dying on the cross. When you look at Christ on the cross, this is God's patience with you. See, you had walked away. You, you had abandoned God. You had chosen sin over his goodness. You had chosen to do things your way. And there was a period in your life when you were walking far from God, and then God is on the cross because God was patient with you. And we find salvation because of God's patience, because he could have dealt with us. He could have messed everything up for us. He could have sent us to hell. But God was patient with us. Amen? He was patient. And the same patient God that's patient with you is patient with the evil in this world He's redeeming music. He's redeeming art. He's redeeming friendship. He's redeeming marriage. He's redeeming relationships. And what you don't realize is that in God's patience, the Christian faith is exploding in this world. It's declining in America, let's be honest. But in Asia, in Africa, and South, and South America, I mean, it is exploding. It is crazy what God is doing across the world. And with information technology, we will get to live our lives and watch everything that God does all over the world. Because he said it was going to start like a mustard seed, but it was going to grow to be huge. Because God is patient. And this morning, if you are not following Jesus... If you've never received forgiveness for your sins, it may feel like it's not a big deal. You may prosper for a moment. You might be like the grass, which is green for a season. But destruction is coming. But that's why Jesus came. He said that whoever believes in me, you won't get that punishment you deserve. You'll get everlasting life. Do you feel God speaking to you this morning? Do, do you feel him convicting you? That's the Holy Spirit upon your life that says you need Christ. I 
I ask you this morning to receive God's patience in your life. I ask that you find somebody after the service, myself or somebody else, and say, I need to know about that. We're baptizing five people this morning. It's exciting. When they get baptized, I want you to holler and scream. This is the one time it's okay to be really loud in church, okay? You need to be quiet during my sermon. I'm just kidding. Uh, You can talk if you want to. But in baptisms, you better be loud. And it sounds so cool in this room because it reverbs everywhere. It just sounds really cool. Receive God's patience this morning. If life is tough, take the Bible's perspective. Be patient. God will win. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time this morning. I thank you, God, that, uh, that you have done so many great things in our life. I thank you, Lord, um, that in spite of everything that you've done, you've been patient with us. Lord, I love you, and I thank you at this time for all of your patience. God, give us the strength in the coming days, months, and years to be patient with the pain in our lives, God. We know, Lord, that it is not your will that we suffer, but we know in the midst of it, God, that you are moving We know that you are doing something special even when it hurts, God. And I would say, God, most likely, especially when it hurts, God, that's when you're really doing something special. I love you. We thank you during this time for all the wonderful things that you are doing. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.